Hey guys, welcome to the Swing Mechanic Podcast. This is Jamie Savalas. And um, I'm with my guest, Jamie Savalas. So, it's just me. Um, and, you know, I just came across an article that uh, kind of made me sad. Um, but it's uh, about this guy, Richard Shank. And you, honestly, the article is, is really... You just have to see it. I'm gonna to link to it. Um, it's it's almost like this is like it's so indicative of where we are in terms of swing mechanics because the picture is Aaron Judge hitting a ball, uh, probably home run in the picture. Above it, it says, "Meet the baseball fan." who made Aaron Judge's hitting savage. And then there's a, a picture of Richard Shank, like, totally looking like, like a baseball dad fan. Like, it's just like, <laughs> this is out of a movie. Um, it's, um, it's funny. Uh, I mean, what it, think about what that tells you, okay? Imagine... Imagine an NFL coach, okay? Imagine that they figured out that the best NFL coaches were dads, like baseball dad fans. Like, wouldn't the NFL coaches, as as sort of a community, wouldn't they feel like really stupid I mean by the way like major league hitting coaches like it's this isn't said okay this isn't said but I'm gonna say it what what does this say just about the fact that there are all these new rogue hitting instructors hitting coaches working with major league players like imagine I mean, just imagine this happening in, in another sport, okay? Yeah, it, it might happen here and there a little bit, like in the strength building side of it. Um, in other sports, like I can see a basketball player working with some other strength guy and not the strength guy that the, that the Pistons or something. Is that a basketball team? Uh, the Lakers have on their staff. I can see that. But my God, baseball is riddled with these rogue hitting coaches. I mean, I was one of the first to to get some notoriety, I think, uh, on it. I mean, uh, but there have been plenty, you know, um, of these guys that uh, that are... You know, here it is, like a baseball dad. And I swear, like, in the picture, he just looks so much like a baseball dad. Like, it's kind of like somebody just, like, casted him. 
and this, and I'm in a movie. And and look, you know, more power to him. You know, I I I I think it's great that he's getting this notoriety and he had a passion and he um you know took the initiative to somehow get in front of a major league player and uh and you know this all takes time you know this all is 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 stuff that other people would would like say no thanks or nah he what am i gonna say or you know they're not gonna step up to the challenge like people don't realize it takes some balls to uh to stand up and work with uh with major league players um you always feel like especially if you haven't uh played in the major leagues you're gonna feel like uh like why would i have something to tell this guy um so that's the initial um i mean i fought it when i first started and i and it was such a strong feeling that I'm absolutely 100% positive that um, anybody else in the same position would feel it. Um, so you have that, and, and most people would actually back away from that and just not choose to take it on and just say, no, I'm not, I'm more of a, a guy that does something else. And, or, you know, just you would choose to do something else. I mean, he, he stepped up to the challenge. Um, again, he put his time into it. And, uh, and he's reaping rewards and, um, you know, more power to him. I, I don't, I definitely don't have anything against him as a person, but, um, I happen to have a stake in this, you know, um, I can look at it from the outside, but I also know my place in it. And I've heard what these guys theories are on the swing and I just, know that they're off the mark um and yes we we need a, a a change in swing instruction and that's what this that's what richard shank is that's what um she gone uh i forget his name but that's what he is he these guys are all just indications that a, a major change is needed and and that my god that started I mean, I, I would say in a way, I, I kind of kicked it off in like 2010, uh, around that time. Um, I, I'm, I don't know of any other, well, there was Tom Mamansky in the 80s. He, uh, he, he, I don't believe he played a day in the major leagues and, and he worked supposedly with, Ken, with Fred McGriff. Um, I don't know how much that is true or, or whatever. Um, but anyways, he is a sign as well. I mean, think about just this, okay? In in the 90s or whenever Tom Amansky was doing his videos on ESPN, I mean, did you ever think it was kind of strange? Like ESPN would play the Yankees versus the Red Sox, and then you'd wait a couple hours, and then you'd see Tom Amansky's videos. Tom Amansky didn't doesn't coach in the major league. He wasn't a major league baseball coach. So isn't, so I'm, I'm coming all, this is all to come back around to the point that isn't this an insult on major league baseball coaches, hitting coaches? Like, 
isn't this um, an indication? It's more. It's not so much an indicate uh, an insult, but it's an indication that uh, that they're obviously not producing. Like whoever's in the positions of Major League Baseball hitting coach. And by the way, this is not just. You know, I heard this many, many times from work in, in the players that I've worked with. Um, so this is not just me speculating either. I've heard it firsthand. You know, most of these guys are simply not listened to. You know, um, they're, they put the ball back on the tee and they p help pick up balls and they assist the player. I mean, I'm just being honest that a lot of them don't have anything new or or novel in any way to say about the swing. That's happening from outsiders. And so that's what this Richard Schenck uh, article is. Um, it's an it's a. Uh, it is just an indication. Um, now, these newspapers also they like to, you know, I mean, seriously, like they, they make it almost like a like a comical thing, like the way they frame it, you know, I mean, I, I bet you if you looked more at Richard Shank's theories, I bet you it's it's a little deeper than he's just some rant. I mean, they make it sound like he was just a um, a fan, you know, uh at least in the, in the in the article title they make it sound like he was just a fan and like he just like just got lucky or something and just you know like it like it'd be in a movie i mean basically like they're trying to frame it like it'd be in a movie um like a movie script um and and i bet you it's not so movie like if you really know about it like you know it's probably uh he's probably been working with players a lot i'm sure he's been working probably teaching players way before he taught uh it's not like he just met uh, uh Aaron Judge at, at the, like the pet store and and like they uh you know were hitting that night um he probably has been given lessons for a few years at least before but um but it, but it is just it's just an indication that there's something missing in major league baseball like I, I don't know why that's not that's why is that not a story like, it should be the headlines. Anyone notice the abundance of rogue hitting instructors helping Major League Baseball players? That's a terrible title to an article, but... Um, you know, it's just it's an indication of, uh, of, some, of a change that's needed. Um, again, you don't see it in other sports. I mean, you don't see Bill Belichick... You know, uh, Tom Brady listens more to his neighbor than he does his coach. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine that being an article? Tom Brady listens to his neighbor's advice more than Bill Belichick's. He fully admits it, and so does Bill Belichick. Like, uh... Anyways, that's not what I wanted to even discuss today. Um, so, I want to I want to talk about the uh, you know people call it sort of the 
the big circle and the little circle in the swing. I've heard it's referred to as that. And you know, we have a bunch, we have a lot of terminology that but that basically only matters in how it equates to a movement's structure and 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 a movement's feel. So like the words are only important in how well they they transfer those things. And so we get caught up in the words a lot, but, uh, you know, I refer to it more as bat lag, uh, but I have heard it called the little circle, okay? So basically what this is, is if you're going to swing something, there's a moment of greatest pressure against your hands basically there's a moment where it where it actually goes from moving backward in in the quote unquote backswing to moving forward in the quote unquote forward swing um and that that is the beginning in a way of the the little circle or bat lag and and we could you know, at some point, I'm sure we will come up with exact words for, and we'll all be in agreement on it, and it'll just kind of be the way we talk about the swing. But for right now, you know, people call things a whole bunch of different things. So, um, but that moment of redirection um, is. Actually, to me, I, I, I mean, the flow into that moment, in other words, the backswing and how you flow into it, is, is also, it, it, it's all so connected that, um, that you can't say that that's not important either. Um, it is important, but however, let me get back on topic or else I'll, I'll just veer off completely. So the little circle is sort of uh, uh, that time in which the bat is, um, is redirecting. And the reason why uh, it's called the little, now the little circle doesn't, see, it doesn't refer to just a moment. It refers to more of a, as you can tell by just the statement of it, the little circle. It's talking about the little circle that the bat barrel makes as it's traveling. So it's it's referring to more of a movement than it is more of a position, which I would think, you know, I would call the moment of redirection. That is a position. So that's another thing, you know, we need to we need to understand when somebody's talking positions and when somebody's talking movement. Um and 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 I love I'm okay with talking with about either one of them. Um, any movement within the swing would be more of what I would refer to as a micro movement. You know, the, if the swing is a movement, then little tiny movements within the swing that would be more of a micro that would be a micro movement to me. Um, so little circle is a micro movement, and. It has to happen in the swing, okay? Let me repeat that. It has 
to happen. It has to. H-A-S-T. It has to happen in the swing. And what matters, what really matters in the swing is where you structure, where, or I should say how you structure your swing to make that little circle happen at the right time or the right positioning. So when you swing poorly, the little circle happens late, you could say, or as you're traveling through the hitting zone. Because your hands, what they do is they take more of a direct route towards the baseball. Both arms bending and and in you taking more of a direct route okay so then it's almost like your little circle is happening through contact you have a little circle okay all your friends are gonna see that you have a little circle okay because you're, you're swinging it right there at the plate. Okay, it's obvious for everyone to see. And at the end of the season, it's on paper how little your circle is and how long it happens through contact. Okay? Um, because it'll show up in your stats. It'll show up in your stats. Um, if you're swinging like this, you're going to struggle. You're going to have to run really fast. You're going to break an ankle. You're going to be angry. You're going to want to step on the first baseman's heel. You're going to try to steal bases to show your teammates that you're valuable. You're going to get dirty and bloody. And you're going to be the one who wants to fight the other team because you're not that valuable at the plate. So you figure I might as well try to fight people. I mean, I, I took a boxing class when I was 12, so I'm going to fight people and maybe my teammates will think I'm valuable in that way. You know, it's going to be just a hard road. Wouldn't you rather just be more like Babe Ruth? Um, because it's, it's readily available to you. Um, and then, you hell, you can be Babe Ruth and turn up the, the dial in the Pete Rose area. You can always do that, you know, and that that is what the next greatest hitter will be. He'll have all the tools. You know, there's going to be a guy coming along pretty soon. He's going to have all the tools. But number one tool, the base is the mechanics. Because one, you can just you can just have it. I mean, it's more about knowledge than it is about I mean, it's just it it's 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 like a patch you can just put on and you can always have it. And then you can work on all the other stuff. Um, you know, pitch recognition is another one. Huge opportunity right now in baseball. Huge. Huge. And everyone's so hung up on... Uh, everyone's so hung up on the geekiness of baseball. Look, I liked Moneyball too. I get it. I wanted to, like, become a mathematician for a little while after I watched Moneyball. I get it. I wanted to put on, like, really thick glasses and just, like, 
you know, geek out. I get it. I like money. Like the whole title is even fun. Like money and geekiness. I get it. But that's been discovered. Bill James did it. You know, Epstein was like the last, like the grand finale. That guy with the Red Sox. He was like, you know, the uh, the fireworks going crazy at the end. You know, um, but that's that's been done, guys. You know, that's been done. Um, so everyone's still looking in that area, and meanwhile, um, there are huge opportunities, and um, and and there and and everyone's like digging or dipping their toes into the pitch recognition thing, guys. The biggest training aid right now for pitch recognition is watching pictures on video, two-dimension video. Um, you know, there's big things coming along for that. Uh, I think it's, a lot of you know, I have a training aid for pitch recognition called the Pitch View. Um, I think it's gonna be in every bullpen at some point. I don't think that people are ready for it just yet. Um, and, uh, I see that as just a matter of time. Um, that's one aspect. Guys need to see more pitches. You know, guys need to see more pitches. Um, they don't see enough game speed pitches from the correct spot. You know, you can't just look at it. <laughs> guys, you can't just look at a pitch from the batter's, you know, the, uh, the on-deck box and... Uh, and feel like that's getting your pitch recognition uh, drills in. I mean, you can't even look at it from a slightly different angle. You have to be in the location that you're going to see a game speed pitch. We don't take this seriously enough. You know, it's it's absolutely amazing. Like, what I compare it to is it's like a football player never practicing blocking. And only blocking when he's in a game. That's what the... Uh, the pitch recognition uh, skill is is that's what's going on in pit, with pitch recognition in, in Major League Baseball. I mean, think about it. Guys don't see Major League pitching um, until they're in a game. Think about how much better some of these already great hitters would be if they saw 100, even just 100 extra game speed pitches per week. And that would be easy. Um, you know. So. Look. There's just as big an opportunity right now in swing mechanics. There's just as big an opportunity in swing mechanics. Yes, there's been more focus in swing mechanics, but... Um, than there has been in pitch recognition, but um, but there. But here's the thing with swing mechanics: if you don't, if you're not hitting the nail directly on that. Now here's here here's the game of swing mechanics. Here's the structure of the beast. Okay, it will deliver amazing rewards. Amazing rewards. It will deliver these rewards immediately. Immediately. 
So, so now what's implied with immediately? What's implied is no work involved. When something happens immediately, you get a lot. I mean, you're getting it now. So I'm saying it will give you tremendous improvement and it will give it to you immediately. That means no work involved and you get tremendous improvement. However, it's going to require you to be exactly, exactly right. Exactly right. Now here's the thing. I see, I see what a lot of these hitting coaches are saying. I understand where they're coming from. I see what they're seeing. Yes, they are making slight movement in the right direction. But just because you're along the journey doesn't mean that you can yet help. Because swing mechanics requires you to go 100% of the way. So unfortunately, if you're not 100% of the way, then what you say is going to lead to at best no real improvement at best no real improvement um, in the long run maybe you'll get some spike in the beginning but over time guys over time and this is why swing mechanics to me is the first one to get right because you just can't beat the odds over time you just can't I mean you I mean look you can apply the Pete Rose mentality and that'll get you a little bit more but guys Pete Rose didn't hit 512 511 home runs Mel Ott did Mel Ott was I believe smaller than Pete Rose if I'm not mistaken but I think they were around the same size wouldn't you rather be Mel Ott? Um, again, you can always turn up the dial. You can hit the home runs and you can run people over or whatever you want to do on the base paths. You know, you can be as aggressive as you want. My point is you have to be 100% with swing mechanics and if you're not you will eventually succumb to the odds it's really I mean hitting is so much just setting the odds up in your favor and I mean God letting the chips fall where they may and if they're not falling in the way that you want them to be falling if you're not hitting the home runs you want to hit then you need to reevaluate and reevaluate one or two or three or four or five of the five skills of hitting. Look at all of them and honestly assess them. You know, look at the mechanics, look at pitch recognition, 
Look at strength and speed. Look at hand-eye coordination. Look at your mental approach. And just honestly assess them and readjust and go out when you play. Let the chips fall where they may. Give it, give it your all. Play like Pete Rose or play like Babe Ruth. They both played, by the way, pretty similarly. People don't know that. Again, another thing, like time just, you know, time erases. Even though Babe Ruth is still a household name, he's so underrated. He was underrated back then. Um, and he's underrated now, you know. Um, really, I believe that a lot of these greats are actually underrated at the time that they're playing. And, and even after. I mean, God, think about Michael Jordan. We just had to have a ESPN special. I mean, everyone's telling me to watch it. I'm sure it's great. I don't want to sit there in front of a TV for three hours watching uh, other grown men playing a sport. Um, so, but look, I don't need, you know, a, a docu-series to, to remember how GD amazing Michael Jordan was. Okay. No, I remember, you know, people are like telling me like, yo, he was really good, man. He was, he's the best. Yo, he's the best, man. Really? No, I knew that, and I didn't even have to see Magic Johnson. I didn't have to see Wilt Chamberlain. I don't care about, like, what I saw, I understand he was the best. I get it. Now, actually, I should be fair. Wilt Chamberlain, you know, he could have been, same, he could have been up there too. But look, I don't need, uh, look, he was, in, as far as I saw, he was almost superhuman. And that's what Babe Ruth was. And, and back when he played, owners were just giving him hell. Um, the fans loved him and they understood how just unbelievable he was. Just absolutely, I mean, remember what Barry Bonds was doing for those three years that he just killed it? Imagine, I mean, just remember how your jaw was just dropped to the ground. Like you were just, it's just ridiculous how amazing he was hitting well you know that's that's what babe ruth was in a way even more amazing because you know as everyone knows and said often he was hitting more than you know many teams he was hitting more than many teams so he he was uh he was underrated then and and uh and he's underrated now. I mean, if you ask, if you ask most players, if Babe Ruth could even—I mean, they don't even think he could play now. I mean, but if he would be, a lot of them don't even think he could play nowadays. That's how. That's how. Just like, I don't know what evidence they're going by. Like, what, what kind of study did they do that they're saying Babe Ruth, you know, wouldn't be... By the way, I'm saying he would be maybe even more dominant. Maybe even more dominant. Because... Because he would have the access to all these, you know, modern modern things. But then, you know, it depends on what you're talking about. You're talking about just sticking him in 
modern day game as he was and he doesn't get to lift like everyone else and he doesn't get to you know whatever um but uh ruth ruth's mechanics that's what worked for him and uh and his were the best and so his odds were stacked in his favor i mean back then they they wanted to point to his amazing eyesight they were doing eye tests on him and, and i know People talk about these things like it's folklore, like Ted Williams, his, his eyesight was amazing. And maybe, maybe that's true. Maybe, he, maybe that's, that's true. But I think what, what really is happening is when you get to the higher levels like Ted Williams and Babe Ruth, um, these are simply guys who uh, stacked the odds in their favor. They stacked the odds in their favor, and they did it mostly through mechanics. They're just the the they're the the cream that's rising to the top of the mechanical um, of the mechanics. And so, getting back to, I got off topic like big time. Um, getting back to uh, the little circle. So the little circle, where you want it to happen, is actually more to your side, almost behind you. You, you, wanna, you want it to almost be that the bat is redirecting and, and almost like it's getting close and it's not really getting close, but it's almost feels like it's getting close to slapping you in the butt. So the more flexible you are in that front shoulder, the more strong you are. And this is an area that is just going to be tackled once people realize the straight and front arm dominant swing and, and how it's superior. Look, guys, we need to stop the debate, right? We, we just love to be in this debate in swing mechanics. It's not always going to be a debate. It's uh, it's just people assume, and and I think everyone out there is assuming that it's just that's just always going to be the way it is. Like people are just always going to have opinions about the best mechanics to have, and oh, and that, these are the guys who the the guys I love are the guys who've just given up. Like they just say like ah, it it's all relative. It's all relative, man. It's you got to find your own swing. There's not so they're saying there's nothing to be ever had in that in that space. You're just oh, you could go to school for two hundred years studying the swing, and you're never gonna discover anything. That's what that's what these guys. That's the there is a camp of people like that um, out there, and then there's the guys who take positions. Hey, I give respect. To the guys that are taking positions, I mean, at least they get, they get it that, no, there's, there, there's something, there is something, there is something to be known here. There's something that needs some digging. The only problem is they just dig, like they dig like a, with a little tiny spoon and they, they get like a little piece of mica and and they're just freaking out about how it's gold. You know? Um, 
the little circle happens more behind you. The front arm straightens and compresses against your chest, right? This is a much different movement than the one I described earlier where the hands go more directly to the ball, right? Now think about it. I mean, just think about the movement from the bird's eye view. You can see what's going on. The redirection in the first scenario is happening almost in front of your chest, right? That's where the redirection is happening. So what's going on is right before contact, you're actually trying to quickly fit in the redirection. And then that redirection needs to then turn into forward bend. If you know anything about what, what I teach in my books, you understand this, forward bend, right? But you're trying to shove redirection and forward bend into a space that there is no space. Now, guys have hit pretty well doing this. There have been guys that have actually even carved out a nice career for themselves with a swing like this. I mean, guy, people will point to like guys like Tony Gwynn and, you know... Um, and yes, these guys were more of that slappy and uh, little circle happening very late, right? Guys, I'm not saying that you can't play baseball. I'm not like saying that nobody with a, you know, with a swing like that should be allowed to play baseball. Look, you can you can do you can do fine. I mean, you can do you can do pretty well with a swing like that. But if you want to, I don't know, lead your team in home runs, lead the league in home runs, pretty easily, if you have any, some, some of the, or some of the other skills of hitting, maybe play in the major leagues, maybe be a great player in the major leagues. If you want to do that, the odds are way better in your favor with a um, with a swing in which the little circle is happening more behind you. So just look at it from above, okay? So you have one where the hands are going directly to the ball and the bat is, again, bending back at almost through the zone and you're obviously going to run out of room you're going to lean back Aaron Judge by the way has a has a swing that is pretty good his his um his positions at contact are very tight which helps him a lot helps him um both in consistency and power and the consistency part is something that people just don't talk about they do when they talk about swing plane but swing plane doesn't have to do with consistency. Um, what a bent back arm at contact indicates more than anything is the moving fulcrum. And again, if you know anything about what I teach, you know what the moving fulcrum is. And that is a sign of consistency, guys. A very bent 
back arm, a very connected position at contact is a sign of consistency and power. But I say consistency first because that's most important. That's the most important piece. Um, and I believe that that can be proven, actually. Um, and what the, that's for another podcast, maybe. Um, but now imagine the little circle happening in the second scenario, happening more behind you. Now the bat redirects while it's still behind you. You turn more into contact because you have to, right? You're not pushing the hands out. Like, this is more of what people want. They always talk about it's rotation, it's hips. They always want to talk about how important the rotation is. Well, if your mechanics don't, if, I mean, if you're pushing the handle out, you're necessarily, you're rotating less. So now you get the good rotation. You get a lot of rotation. You're very turned into the ball. That's why any hitting coach who says, you know, you're pulling off the ball, done. You must fire him right at that moment. Okay, that, that, that we need to start establishing certain things that hitting coaches say that makes you fire them on the spot. And that is one. You're pulling off the ball because quite simply, you know, you can't, you can't have it both ways. Okay. You can't have a swing in which the little circle happens at the right time and not quote unquote, pull off the ball. You have to turn into it because you're not extending the hands out. You're going to be turned more at contact. So picture the redirection, the, the straightened front arm uh, compressed up against your chest. The bat is naturally dropping onto what people want as far as swing plane, but I don't really even count, I don't count that as even an advantage, but if people are so interested in that, there you go. It's a free side plate with the straightened front arm dominant swing. And so here your, your front arm is compressed and straightened up against your body as you redirect. Now you're turning into it. Well, the bat had, think about how much, it had 180 degrees to bend forward. In the first scenario, the bat has about 40 degrees. See the difference? So it's redirecting and then it has some space. And that space gives it time to bend forward. Guys, there actually is a best way to move. There is a best way to move. There's a best way. There's a way that gives you more advantages or you could say it subtracts more obstacles that you face in hitting. Does that mean that everyone with a forward swing, uh, uh, with a straight and front arm dominant swing is gonna be better than everyone um, with uh, a back arm dominant swing in which the hands are thrown directly towards the ball? No, there's going to be a little bit of overlap there. There's going to be a little bit of overlap because swing mechanics isn't the only skill of hitting. But the majority of the great hitters 
the overwhelming majority have straightened front arm dominant mechanics. And, and, and I should say before I get out of here, this has been a long one. Hopefully you're practicing during this uh, podcast. You get a nice good practice in. Um, you know, straightened front arm dominant is not what it, it, it's a dr- so it's a path to a feeling okay it's a it's a theory of the swing but more importantly when i say straightened front arm dominant it's not so much that that is the feeling in the swing because the great the great hitters obviously you know they obviously felt their whole body was in was in the movement um so it's not that like they felt like their front arm was dominating the movement okay this is where we get pretty deep into the woods talking about this stuff um but i'll just say that in the way that they felt it they didn't necessarily feel their front arm was dominating the movement what what straightened front arm dominant swing really means is in order to get the swing structure that works best you have to go through a drill to understand the feeling the structure in other words you need to position your front arm straight and then swing with only your front arm and then go through the rest of the drill that I mentioned in both my books. You guys know the drill. Go through the drill and that will lead to the understanding of the feeling. Okay? It's very different than what, what, what else is out there. Other hitting coaches just give you bunches and bunches of drills. I'm, I'm giving you one drill and I'm not saying it's important that you work hard and do this drill until your hands bleed. I'm saying this drill has only the purpose of leading you to a feeling and then once you get to that feeling and you understand that feeling, you can shed that drill like a snake sheds its skin. You can just drop it. You can never do it again. Isn't that amazing? I'm advocating a drill, one single drill, and I'm advocating that you don't do it. (laughs) That you do it to get the feeling and then stop if you want. Now, I actually don't advocate that. I advocate that you continue doing the drill because I want you to, to strengthen the front arm. It's been too long that back arms have been way too dominant that your front arm actually atrophies in the way that it needs to move through the swing. It's not that Babe Ruth and all these great hitters felt their front arm being dominant. It's that their front arm was more dominant, but that to them, it was just natural. That was just a natural feeling. Does that make sense? So they were stronger in, in the structure of the swing that produced great hitting, in, in the structure of a front arm straightened front arm dominant swing they were um 
we're stronger within that structure. That's a better way to look at it. And so, you know, you put 900 pounds on a, a champion squatter and it's not going to be, he's not going to have the same feeling of death that you have, right? Same, same sort of understanding, a little different, but basically Babe Ruth did a different structure and he was very strong within that structure. So again, the front arm, the straightened changed since last podcast. Now it's straightened front arm dominant swing because it is important that the front arm is straightened. And I mentioned that in my books, uh, it's, it's important that the front arm is straightened when you're moving through these, the drill to get to the feeling. So again, I advocate a drill to, to get to the feeling. It's a means to an end. It's for reaching the feeling. Do you think Babe Ruth ever worked on his mechanics? I'm thinking probably not. Do you think he, there was even a T invented back then? I don't think so. I haven't done the research on that, but I don't think that T's were even invented or around back then. So I don't think he worked on swing mechanics. So anyone who says to have a great swing, you have to drill it and drill it and drill it and just be obsessed and work hard and hands bleeding and all that stuff. It's not true. It's really not true. Um, what you need to do is you need to understand a particular feeling and swing mechanics again requires you to hit the nail right on the head and you have to understand exactly the right feeling. And with that guys, I will leave you. You guys be well. Um, thank you so much for your support of my work. Together we're going to bring about this revolution in swing mechanics. And um, it's, it is the next money ball. There may be more money balls out there, but this is one for sure. So until next time, everyone, take care. Be well and go on my site and buy things. <laughs>